Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Today, I have one of my favorite people in this industry and someone who has become a dear confidant and mentor and friend of mine, Kathy Heller, on the show. I was recently on her podcast, Don't Keep Your Day Job, which I'm sure you've heard that podcast and probably listened to it. It's one of my favorites. It was given the number one spot on iTunes as the recommended list of shows for the new year in 2018 and 2019, so she knows what she's talking about. We had such an incredible conversation on her podcast that I knew that I needed to have her on our podcast so you could hear straight from her. This episode is incredible, and it's one that I believe in my heart of hearts is really needed right now. We cover everything from resilience to resourcefulness to fraud complex to pivoting to acceptance. So many incredible moments that Kathy shares so vulnerably her journey and how she has been able to use her expertise to really show up when she didn't even think she could do it herself. I think that you guys are going to find this one motivating more than anything. It's inspiring. Yes, but it is so motivating and it is so real and raw. So definitely check it out. Here we go. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hello, sister friend. Hi, Julie. So nice to be with you. Oh, it's so good to have you on. I'm so glad that we've gotten to uh, finally just connect over the last couple of months. And I feel like that's just such a divine, uh, uh, you know, need just given the time that we're in right now and everything that's happening, you know, um, this is the time that leaders need to come together and support not only one 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 another, but really be able to come in and and be that support system for the greater community. So um, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, Okay. So I have a feeling that a lot of my community knows who you are already um, because I know that they do, (laughs) but for (laughs) some that maybe don't um, share a little bit. Well, if you're listening, then I already love you because Julie Solomon is such a good, sparkly human being that if you love her, then I know that you and I would get along. Um, my journey is um, is one of those where I had um, I had a dream, moved out to LA, wanted to have a record deal, um, had one of those childhoods that's pretty standard. My parents got divorced. They weren't very happy. Um, And I had a real need to want to be seen and make something more magical than what I grew up seeing as a model. And uh, and I came out to LA after my mom sort of went through a few suicide attempts. And I was like, I want to sing. That's always been my dream. Turns out the streets are not paved with record deals. Um, They're paved with lots of artists who want dreams to be fulfilled. Anyway, long story short, um, I got a job, got a roommate, just hustled and wrote some mediocre songs. And then the songs got a little better. And I finally got a record deal. I was actually at Interscope sitting with Lady Gaga. She was recording paparazzi and I was in the room and I I turned to Ron Fair, who was both of our producer. And I go, she's really good. She's going to do well. He's like, you think? I'm like, yeah. Um, 
And part of me um, knew in that moment that I was like feeling a little bit like a fraud. Um, here she is, this woman sitting in front of me. She sings like an Olympian, right? Like her voice is just off the chart. Anyway, um, three months later, that faded phone call that I thought might come came. I was driving on the 10 freeway, which is where everyone spends all their time in LA. And Ron called me, Ron Fair. And he said, can you call me when you get home? And I said, sure. Anyway, I pulled off the freeway and I talked to him. And uh, he said, you know, Jimmy Ivan loves you. Everyone thinks you have something. You have an energy that everyone in the room connects with you. And we just love you. But I don't think that these songs are like definite radio hits. And I think that we're going to have to drop you from the label. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay. And I completely fell apart. And that was the moment in, that was like the scene in the movie where like everything goes black and you can't really see or hear. And it's like a freeze frame. Um, and I just felt my heart drop and all those other thoughts came rushing in. You see, Kath, you got to grow up. You got to be real. You got to be practical. You got to be responsible. Dreams don't work out. And so I think the model for most people, which is what was modeled for me, is that when you grow up, you'll be unhappy and that's what you do. And you put off your dreams until you retire or maybe on Sunday after church, you can do it for an hour if, you, if you're lucky, but probably not. And that's just what it means to be an adult. Um, and so I went in search of a job job and I took like three or four job jobs and I worked. Um, the first job I got, I went on Craigslist. I just needed a job, right? So I got a job in a casting office. I actually worked on the Ghost Whisperer pilot with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, and like after four months, I said, what the heck am I doing here? Like, I don't want a job job, especially doing this. So if I'm not going to do what I love, I should do something meaningful. So I went to work for a nonprofit and, um, I was working with cancer patients and the doctor was completely inappropriate. And I had like a me too moment with him, no joke. And I thought, this is ridiculous. And it was so dysfunctional anyway, the whole nonprofit, the way that it was run. And I said, I'm out of here. I'm not doing good for anyone and I'm miserable. And this doctor's a weirdo. So I left. Um, I actually left without getting my last paycheck because he did something so inappropriate. I didn't even want to go back to see him. I won't get into that. So I left. And then I thought, well, what am I going to do? And I was talking to a friend. I was in tears. I said, I tried to do what I love. Then I tried to do something good. Now I'm still broke. I don't know what to do. And she said, just go make money, Kath. You need to make money. I said, well, how do I do that? <laughs> I've never thought that thought. How do I make the most money? And she said, if you want to make the most money, you go into finance or real estate. I'm like, great. What do I do? So she said, I know a guy in Brentwood. He, he owns commercial real estate, like hundreds of millions of dollars of shopping centers. Just go talk to him. He'll love your personality. I go work for him. He's like, I'll, we'll figure something out. And I work there for a year and a half. And I'm basically helping him set up meetings with like principal investors what the heck? I don't know the first thing about cap rates or anything at, at all. It was like a totally like, it was Japanese to me. And after a year and a half, he was paying me pretty well. He was like, you're really good at helping me connect with people. I like it. I bring you on lunches. You're my lucky charm. I can keep you around. He had so much money. Um, after a year and a half, I walked into his office. I said, I'm wearing a pantsuit. I don't recognize myself in the mirror. I'm having panic attacks. I feel like I'm going to fall apart. I don't even know who I am anymore. I've completely lost myself. So I quit my job, which I don't really recommend to people. Anyway, long story short, I had nowhere to go, right? Like there was nowhere to go. And so after two weeks, actually, I actually went back to him and said, can I have my job back? And he said, no. And then it was like, oh, okay, now it's really real. And then I cried in the parking lot and said, I'm going to have to ask a new question. I have no choice. I couldn't go back. There was no home to go back to. Um, if you knew my life's circumstance and where my parents were at financially and, and emotionally, there was, there was nowhere to go. 
So I said, all right, I'm going to ask a new question. And I said, is there any other way I could make a living with music? I had never asked that question. And Tony Robbins always says, like, ask the right question. And I was like, what's the answer to that question? So I started Googling and I find out that there are a lot of artists are licensing music to film and TV, shows like Grey's Anatomy, shows like One Tree Hill, which we're on at the time. And I'm like, what does it mean to license a song? I have songs. I could write songs and people can pay me without needing a record deal. I'd never like seen this as a model. And as human beings, we will reach for the highest branch that we can see. And all of a sudden there was a new branch to reach for. So I started to just wake up every day with a legal pad, no joke. And I started to write a new question. What kinds of songs do I need? Who do I need to get them to? All right. Now I've done that research on who are the people that I just looked up who choose music at these places. What would I send them? Oh, I better go write some songs. Oh, I better reach out to them, which is really, really uncomfortable. But I better ask, like, what projects are you working on? What songs do you need? Because this is sink or swim. So I start calling people and long story short, those people were like, nobody, nobody asked me what songs I need and what projects I'm working on. Yeah, I need a sister song. I need a song about overcoming. I need a home song. I'm like, oh my God, I start scribbling notes. And she says, Kath, no one asked me this. People just send me their records filled with breakup songs. And then we can't usually do anything with them. Maybe there's one song, but then it says the word like Gladys or like Marissa. We have no Marissa in the scene, so we can't use it. She's like, it's great that you're starting with what we need. So. Long story short, um, skip two, I started to do really well with that. And I started making a few hundred thousand dollars. My very first placement license came about eight weeks after that all happened when I was just running out of like every dime that I had. And it was for Kodak, which was still around at the time. Um, $25,000 for a Kodak song. And, um, and then I just started writing music for Target, Walmart, Coca-Cola, uh, shows like Switch to Birth and The Office and, and, and end title themes and theme songs for shows and uh, just was so fun. And I did that for a decade. I just would write music and talk to people and pitch music. And I have a lot to say about how I think that worked. And then I started teaching people how to write music. I started a class called Six Figure Songwriting Online. That's a whole journey of how that even worked, but it did. And that class started making a couple million dollars a year. And uh, from there, I started a podcast to help other creative people. Um, and I thought maybe like three people would listen to it. And uh, we're, we're three years in and we're just about 15 million downloads. And uh, I didn't have an email list. I didn't even have an Instagram account when I started. I was just like a songwriter uh, in a very insulated songwriter life. I, I wasn't a social media expert by any means. And from there, now I've gotten to interview people like you and Howard Schultz and Barbara Corcoran and just amazing Jenna Fisher from The Office. Lots of people who got to make a living doing things their own way. And, um, and now I teach people how to figure out what they're meant to do in this world and how to get resourceful and find a way to make a living doing the things that you love that are going to make a difference and serve the world. That's my whole story. Oh, there's so much good stuff here. Okay. I've got just... <laughs> My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. 
You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. Um, okay. The first thing that I want to ask you, because I think that I have a, like a kind of a personal story to tie into it. And then, and then I think it resonates a lot with both of our communities, actually. What gave you the courage to innovate in a, in an, in an industry that is so archaic in a lot of ways, right? So for example, my husband, who's an actor, who's been an actor for 30 years, also thinks in, in, in this way of the, the traditional landscape of music, film, TV, and publishing. They are such massive ships to try to turn around. And they have such traditional, yep. old school, archaic ways that it's really hard for people that have been doing it for a long time to even think to innovate. And I was just having this conversation with my husband yesterday that he's like, well, you know, I can't start coaching because I'm not an acting coach. I'm an actor and I can, you know, and it's, and it was interesting how, you know, we were just kind of diving through things because that's what we do as partners and, and just thinking of ways, because I'm always in that innovation way in this new online space. What gave you the courage to even think in that way and to start to look at it that way to say, it doesn't have to be be this certain way. It doesn't have to fit in this certain box. I can, I can still show up and do this and share my expertise and my zone of genius in this, but I can kind of pivot a little bit. And yeah. I, I think that, that the, not only the ability to think to pivot, but to have the courage to actually do it is the hardest thing for so many people. How so were true. you able to do that? I mean, it's such a good question, especially right now in this moment when everyone is going to have to start thinking in that way. Yep. And so uh, two things. One, I have often felt that the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's purpose. And for me, when you hit a place where you stop lying to yourself and you're like, I don't feel great. I don't feel like myself. They say the number one regret of the dying is that people don't feel like they live their life on their terms. And I had this moment where I was, I was putting on mascaras, looking at myself in a suit. I didn't recognize myself. And I'm like, I don't know who I am. I, I don't, everything about my life doesn't make sense right now. So I came to this moment of like, I have to stop what I'm doing because it's not worth it right now. I, I don't feel good. Something feels off. Um, I was even dating somebody who I was like, I would not date you if I was myself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I stopped what I was doing. And, um, and that was, so I think that there comes a point where you decide you have to change because you can't continue to do what you're doing because the pain of continuing to do what you do just feels, it feels suffocating, you know? Yeah. So it's that far was number one. The courage, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And number one. And then number two is like, 
You're absolutely right. When it got that way, I asked myself, why is this the way we do what we do? Just because everyone else says that this is what you do, you go work at a desk job. But I was having panic attacks. Mm -hmm. So I started asking that question, why do I accept that this is the paradigm? Is there no other paradigm? And I do believe that Rumi quote, what you seek is seeking you. I do really believe that. If you have the courage to start to ask new questions and look for new possibilities, you'll find it. You'll find the next one. So I started to ask that exact question that you are posing, which is, is there another way? And I'm answering your question by saying it was the pain of saying, I can't do this anymore. And then saying, but wait a minute, wait just a second. Is there any other way? And this is why I do my podcast, because I want to show people every week, twice a week, new possibilities. What I think leaders do, what I think you do, what I think my friends do is we're constantly giving people new glasses and going, you see, that's a path you may never have thought you could do. You see, this is a model. And that's exactly what you're saying is exactly why I did my show. Because on the cover of my book is there's ballet slippers and paintbrushes and guitars, and there's, there's, a, there's a, a camera. And there's so many people who think it's either Beyonce or bust. It's either... I have to be uh, Rachel Ray or there's no, there's no other way for me. No, listen to me. I started asking this question. Is there an other paradigm between you got lucky or you made it or your last name's Kardashian or whatever that thing is, that's all or nothing. I'm going to end up just like being miserable, working and building someone else's dream. Is there anything in between? And what I'm here to tell you is there's a whole world in between. Like put it this way. If you... I, Seth Godin has become sort of like my personal like mentor. I had him on the show a couple of times and we, we've gotten to know each other really well. And he, last time he was on, he said, Kath, if you round it up to the nearest millionth, most people don't know who the heck I am. And I have a really big, in fact, some of you listening are probably like, I don't know who that is. Like Google him. He's actually a pretty awesome person to follow. Right. Right. But he's like, most people don't know who I am. That's a great example. Right. Right. There's what I'm saying is, there is so much room. And now that I do what I do, I see that you could have a micro community. You could be an influencer with 2,600 people making multi-six fig six figures. You could be teaching knitting. You could be teaching hula hooping. You could be open a pottery night. You could be curating things. You could make a living just from talking about the thing. Like, let's say you're not the person making the sourdough bread or teaching people how to make sourdough bread. You could have a whole podcast and blog just talking about making sourdough bread and that could make you a living. There is so much here between all or nothing. And, and that's why I think right now in this time, we just have to start asking those questions. And when you say like, how did you have the courage to move forward? When you see what's possible, how can you not move forward? So I think the thing for everyone listening and what I try to encourage my listeners to do is say, if you have something you love, you love making jewelry, you love hand lettering, you love poetry, any of those things, can you start to ask the question, who online can I find as a model, a person who has a business already, who's doing something with that, who gets to spend their whole life, like Mandy Moore, not the Mandy Moore, the actress, but Mandy Moore from So You Think You Can Dance. I had her on my show and she said, Kath, I came out to LA with a big dream. And all I got met with was big rejection because she's like a size 14 and people literally tore her apart. And she's an amazing dancer. She choreographed La La Land. She produces So You Think You Dance and Dancing with the Stars. Anyone who watches those shows knows exactly who she is. And 
her life came close to ending literally because Mm -hmm. of the amount of rejection until one day after trying to be a dancer and knowing there was no reason she wasn't getting picked other than the way that she looked because she was the best dancer. One day she started to teach and she came alive and she found a way and she became a choreographer. Now she is a choreographer to the max, right? She's one of those as famous as you could be in that. But my point is she saw maybe there's maybe when we try to kick down one door as hard as we can and it's not opening, maybe God has another door for us. Mm -hmm. That is our work. Maybe I wasn't supposed to be Lady Gaga and I got dropped, but maybe finding my way to this podcast, finding my way to write music for all those things, finding my way allowed me to be a mom of three, allowed me to have this platform right now. And who cares if I'm not somebody else? I'm, I found a whole new life. I'm able to make multi-seven figures. My husband doesn't work. We're home. We're hanging out with my kids. And I don't know that I would want it any other way. I don't know that I'd want to sacrifice my whole life to become like a brand, like Mickey Mouse. Like, what do you think Lizzo does all day long? She's on display. Like she's got to be, she's, she's a character in a whole conglomerate of, of, of things. She is a brand. So I think there's tons of possibility here and I'd love to continue to help people find what that looks like. And what, like the, the word that comes up for me when you're saying all of this is just acceptance, that you had the courage to accept that you were not going to be the next Lady Gaga. Yeah. You had the courage to accept that, that, that those childhood dreams of you winning a Grammy were not going to happen in, the, in that way. Nope, they you weren't. had the courage to accept. Mandy Moore had the courage to accept that she was never going to be, you know, the on prima the ballerina. Yeah. Right, the prima ballerina. So I think that, that, that that is the hugest part. That's the difference between people really stepping into their brilliance and finding their purpose and finding their path and living it versus the people that sit around and they're like, why isn't this working? Because you are resisting the acceptance piece because something inside of you is saying, if it doesn't happen this way, if I don't win the Oscar, if I don't get this kind of external validation from this person, place, or thing, I'm not worthy. Yeah. And and that's, that's the hugest part is that acceptance piece. And I think that once you're able to accept that it may not look, feel, and smell, and taste, and sound like the way in which you thought it was going to be. Yeah. And I mean, it's like that whole idea of, you know, God laughs when we make plans. We're in a, we're in a global situation right now, very unique situation right now yeah. as a global co- community that we never intend. I mean, two weeks ago, if you would have told me this was going to, ha- you know, it's like. Same. I would have been like, no way. But we can choose to accept it. Or we can choose to not to fight. And it. I think yeah. that that's, you know, that's, that's where, entre- you know, that's where entrepreneurship comes from oh and creativity comes from. It's such and a moment art- right now. We are being called from- upon right yes. now. One thing that I, 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 I appreciate about what you, what you're saying so much is that I think we get stuck on this existential. Um, this is my purpose in life. Mm-hmm. This is my one identity. And it has to look this has way. To it look has this to be way. this way. Exactly. And I think the real question is, how can I be of use? Right. Mm-hmm. What skills? What strengths? What talents do I have? And how can I start raising my hand and being available to use those skills and talents? Mm-hmm. And hmm, I wonder where that might lead. Like mm-hmm. when I started. So I, I did music licensing for a decade, making about three, $400,000 a year, which I thought was the cat's pajamas. I didn't see anything more than that at the time. And I really loved it. And it was great. 
And then people started knocking on my door. Can you teach me how to do that? Can you? And I was like, no, I don't do that. I don't No, I don't do that. And then finally it was so many artists that I started teaching a few of them. They'd come over for like a Sunday afternoon, like 10 people in my living room. Then we would do it again. And I realized that there was a need and somebody said, can you put it online? I live in Boston. I graduated from Berkeley school of music, but no one taught me what you're doing. Can you do it online? I'm like, no, I don't know what an opt-in is. I don't know what a webinar is. Anyway, I started doing it. Resistance, 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 excuse, excuse, excuse. A hundred percent. And finally I was like, well, what if I just leaned into it and did it messy? And I showed up on my first webinar straight to camera, no slides, my pregnant belly. I was pregnant with my third daughter. It was hot middle of the summer. And I'm like, Hey, this is my journey. This is what I know. Here's my offer. And at the end of the call, I made $147,000. I had no Instagram. I had nothing. Zero. I had just started. No podcast. No, this is four years ago. I was like, I just made $147,000. Oh my gosh. Now let me see if I can actually show up for these people and get them results. And many of the people in the class started to get, the first one was a guy who got a $55,000 Starbucks ad. His song was in a Starbucks ad. He was crying his eyes out. He's like, I've never made that much money ever, let alone for my song, which I would have done that for free. I had such fun. It was like Disneyland that day in the studio. Then one by one, we started seeing result, 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 result. And I'm like, I'm so glad I'm able to help these artists. Mm -hmm. Then the next time I launched the class, I made $445,000. The next time I launched the class, I made $1.2 million. All along, people are saying to me, like a couple of my family, you think that's really your purpose in life to teach people how to license their music? I'm like, if I thought that question and just sat with that question, I don't know, I don't know. But is it abuse? Is it abuse? Am I empowered? Yeah. And then you know what happened? You keep following it. And one of the women in my class, Amy Loftus, she said, you should start a podcast. 85% of what you teach is not specific to music. It's about being resourceful. It's about how to open the door in a relationship. How do you cold call these people in a way that makes them feel seen? How do you ask them what they need? How did you get scrappy and, and get the, the right collaborators to create what you want? You could, anybody could learn from this. You should go and teach this on a podcast. And I started a podcast and I was like, let's just follow that little whisper. Boom. Have I done any paid marketing for the pot? I don't even know how to do that yet. Like still, I, what, what would that mean? Take out a billboard in Times Square? It's word of mouth. And where did that lead me to? Everywhere. I got a book deal. Second episode, I get a call from my publisher at Macmillan. This should be a book. And I'm like, really? That's insane. Like, do you know how many things I had tried that didn't work? Mm -hmm. So I think we have to ask the question, not what's my one and only existential purpose and what does it look like? It's every day. How can I be of use today? And where might that lead me? And maybe God has a different plan. When Jenna Fisher was on my show, Jenna Fisher from The Office, she's so cute. She was saying that she really appreciates her husband because they both came out to LA to be actors. And for her, it, it worked. And even though it took a few years till she got the office, she got a lot of validation very early on. So she would have like a few weeks with nothing, but then she'd get like a callback for like a huge part. And then she'd get a pilot and the pilot wouldn't go, but it was an almost. And she, and then she got the office. Okay. Her husband was a different story. He comes out here. He's like ready to go. I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. And it wasn't happening. There was just not a lot of validation that there was a big yes. And he just kept saying, well, I'm just going to stick it out. That's what they say. And finally, a friend of his said, you're an amazing writer. You should write. You should direct. He did it. He said, you know what? I'm going to do that. And it took off. It was like he had just finally struck gold. And she said, I'm so proud of him because he decided it's not about how I thought it was going to look. It's about what's working and where I'm being led. And he built a huge career around it. Yep. And I love that story because it reminds me of... of and the other end of this, that 
the ones that seem to get the validation early on, whenever that takes a turn or a pause or a, you know, you have the, the waves that come in and out, it's a lot harder for them to be able to accept and pivot because they get used to that. Well, it's worked in this way. So why can't it? It's wor- it, it, it's got to fit in here. It's worked in that way. And so I think that that is, that is the challenge piece for a lot of those that may be listening, that if you feel like you're resisting, if you feel like you're banging your head against a wall and you can't figure it out, maybe you're just not asking the right questions or maybe you're not willing to, to see it in a different way and to allow other possibilities and other options to come through, which is probably the same reason why you were able to know the kind of questions to ask when you were calling those licensing companies, cold calling. And they were like, no one's asked me this. And we've talked about this a lot. That's a form of pitching. You know, I have a program on pitching and that's what basically it's, it's that simple. It's like, I'm basically teaching you how to talk to another human being. That's it. (laughs) That's That's it. it. It's not science. It's not, I'm just, I'm teaching you really traditional ways to authentically connect with someone else, to have empathy and compassion for that person, to ask curious questions and mean it and, and to not expect anything in return immediately. Yeah. A hundred percent is what it is. I mean, but I think what you keep saying and what's really the through line there is the empathy, empathy for yourself. Mm-hmm. And empathy for the other person, which means I'm not going to beat myself up if I get rejected because I had this idea of how it's supposed to look. Because I know if you're here, you're needed. God doesn't make extras. Mm-hmm. You are needed, right? Mm-hmm. It's one in 400 trillion that it was you that became a human being. That's the odds, right? So if, if, if God decided out of all the people in the world, we needed you to add to the equation, there are people who need what you have to share. And, and the problem is that we don't give ourselves the grace. And so there's no empathy for ourselves. And then when we go to speak with other people, we miss that part. Like people say to me all the time, but how do I build a business? All right, so how would I start making the pies or the jewelry? Or how would I create a course? Ask the people you serve, what do you need? Don't feel like you have to just hit record and broadcast for the next 10 years and have the perfect words and the perfect products. No company's doing that. No business does that. No service provider is doing that. If they're doing it well, at the center of your business is radical empathy. So that goes back to having empathy for yourself and then for the other person and saying, it's not about this overarching, this is how it has to look. It's about in this moment every day, what skills do I have? What lights me up? That I'm the ikigai, right? The Japanese word ikigai means the combination of three things something I love, something I'm good at, and something that the world needs or wants. And a business, by definition, is different than a hobby. A hobby means I love it. Great. That's all I have to know. Do it whenever I want. If it's a business, it's empathy at scale because it means somebody else is paying me. So that's their value, right? The value that they've earned, their money. Money is a story about value and they're trading value for value. So I have to care what other people need or want. And so that has to be front and center if it's a business. So business should be all about empathy. And then it really goes back to, instead of thinking, what's my existential purpose in life? How can I be of use today? What's something that I like doing that I'm also good at that other people might need or want? Hmm. Well, I'm good at organizing closets. Isn't my existential? No, but I like doing it. I find that I really like doing it. I'm good at it. I do think people need it. Great. 
What's my offer? How do I begin to validate that and lean in and ask people, what do you need more of? How can I show up and just gener- be generous, give it to you, deposit, deposit until I ask for the offer once I've created the trust with you? It would be that way with anything. And it's amazing when you stop wondering what your existential meaning is and you just say, what am I good at? What do I like? And how can I be of use? And you start to play with that. You're going to be busy making lots of money, helping people and having a good time. And other people are still stuck on the side going, but is this me? Is this right? It's like, you're off to the races. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. And I think that that's, that's what allows you to accept not being the next Lady Gaga, but becoming the only Kathy Heller. Yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. amazing. Um, I want to talk about that fraud piece that you had mentioned earlier about how, you know, when you started the, to look around and, and see these people that in your perception was like, whoa, like they're really, they're, they're freaking stars. I'm starting to feel a little imposter syndrome here. Um, how, how do you use that fraud complex and that imposter syndrome? Because, I mean, you've just explained exactly how you used it to help, to help you find your way. How can others use it to help them find their way? Mm, it's such, I feel like it is the question. You know, if you're listening right now, just put your hand over your heart if by the age of six or seven, you had your heart broken. Because I did. Or, you know... If that's not the case, then then put your hand on your heart if you had your heart broken by the time you're 10 or 12. We've all been through so much. And I think as human beings, we build survival skills where we just don't want to feel pain. And we've all been rejected. And so it's really scary to think that we might make a fool of ourselves. It's really scary to think that someone won't like us because there was a time when that pain wasn't just a girl snickering at you on Instagram. It was like, your dad who walked out or your mom who was really critical and used to drink, or I don't know. I mean, fill in the blank. There's a million different kinds of trauma. And so we get hardwired to just not want to step forward. And then we compare ourselves to other people. And then we think, well, what could I do to save myself from anything that would hurt? I'll just stay over here. And we, are, we really think that other people have their S together and we don't. That's called, there's actually a a name for that. It's called pluralistic ignorance. Like we forget that Beyonce, who I mentioned, but like that she has horrible days and falls apart and her husband and her, I'm sure fight all the time, right? Look what they've been through. Like we forget that. We just see our, ourself. Cause you know why? We know our own insecurities so well. We don't know other people up close that way. So we think, well, if they only knew me, that's why I would never be good at it. Cause I have this flaw and this flaw. It's like, they have that too. So every time I've done anything, whether it was getting married, being a mother, starting a podcast, writing music, walking into my college graduation, like there's never been a thing where I was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Like this is my place. I think that we're always sort of pushing through that upper limit of like, do I deserve this? And am I worthy of this? And can I take my seat at the table? I think the question isn't, am I the the best one for the job? You're not. That's a given. But are you available? Do you have anything to add to the conversation? Anything at all? And remember that not everybody wants to learn business from Warren Buffett because they're that might be like him speaking a foreign language. Like it wouldn't even effectively help, but it might be better for them to learn from someone who's like four steps ahead 
because then they could really take that in. So wherever you are, like if you wanted to go learn piano, should you go pick like the concert grand pianist like in of the world to teach you? Probably not. You probably should teach somebody who is really good at teaching people who are just where you are. So I think that we forget it's not about being the best. It's not about you're the person for the job. I mean, Moses was like, why would you choose me? I have a lisp. I'm going to go hide in the desert. And God's like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's your, it's your job. Right. And he, he felt imposter syndrome. I mean, I don't know what story that's the hero's journey. When you're watching frozen two or Rocky or Charlie and the chocolate factory, can you name a movie where somebody didn't feel imposter syndrome? The entire hero's journey, the whole movie is about hitting that resistance inside yourself where you say, who am I to keep going? Who am I to be able to deal with this challenge or to show up for these people or to say what I need to say or whatever it is? Who am I to do this? I think the question is, who are you not to do it? If you have something that's going to make a difference in someone's life because you're a great listener or you're really good at making art or you can help people feel their feelings or you can give somebody a tool that's going to save them time, whatever you do, if you're, if you're walking around with a gift and you don't share it, it's like you're morally obligated to do that. I think there's like a false, it's like false humility. Who am I to do this? It's kind of like, oh, sorry. Uh, there's 7 billion people plus on the planet. So we need you to. And is it, is it, did Julie Solomon get an email from God that was like, Julie, you are okay to start this podcast and this business. I'm giving you the, the sign, go. Or was she brave and raised her hand and said, I'm, I'm scared. I'm figuring it out but I know I have to help. So I'm going to be brave and raise my hand and do the best that I can because I know that I feel that way all the time. And thank God, what happens is when you do the thing, the courage comes and the confidence comes and the clarity comes and you realize I am helping somebody. I do know what I'm doing. And you start to give people around you permission that they can maybe be confident and do what it is that they're doing. So I think the cost of admission is courage. Cost of admission is courage, but we all definitely should feel that it's our, it's, our, it's our civic duty to give to the world whatever we're... God didn't give us that magic to keep to ourselves. Mm, agreed. Um, do you think resourcefulness is something that can be learned? Um, and if so, how? Yeah, I think that our resourcefulness is our greatest resource. You know, they've done... It's amazing. They've done these studies at Harvard, where they tried to figure out like what makes people accomplish their goals, what makes people productive. And people would say in the intake form, I would be more productive if I had more time, more hours in the day. I would be productive if I had more sleep. I would be productive if I had more money, right? More money, more time, more sleep. These are the resources people wanted. So they gave it to them. They gave people these you know, situations where they gave them more time, put them in these controlled environments, gave them more sleep, figured out getting, getting their sleep going just to see nothing changed. People actually got worse because now they didn't even have an excuse, right? right. So, so then they asked themselves, so what does help people get their goals smashed? What makes people productive? It turns out it's a state of mind. It's energy. And it's not the kind of energy that comes from sleep or green juice. Have you ever had the experience where you haven't had any sleep? It's the night before your wedding. It's the night before whatever. You got no sleep, but you are lit up. Adrenaline, That's baby. Adrenaline. That's the energy that comes when you are in a positive 
the peak state of mind, right? So certain times you're Endorphins. Yeah. Certain times you might be listening to this podcast or you go for a run or you go to a concert and there's something that happens where you get lit. In that moment, even if you had seven and a half minutes, you could get more done in those seven and a half minutes following that feeling than you could if you had six weeks with the perfect health regimen, sleep regimen, no kids around to take care of. It's a state of mind. So our greatest resource is our resourcefulness. And what we need to do, just like you charge your iPhone every single day, nobody would dare get in an Uber when their phone's at 11%. You just don't. You're not doing that with yourself. Everybody's sitting on incredible ideas and gifts, but there's no momentum. There's no charge in the phone, in your body, in your soul right now. You got to charge it. So everyone I know who's doing productive things is doing something to be ahead of that. In the morning, there's a practice. It's prayer. It's meditation. It's listening to these few people. It's whatever it is, it becomes a part of their habitual life. And then what we practice thinking, we get better at thinking, which means we get better at feeling that and we get into action. None of this comes from thinking like all these other sad thoughts. Our brain has about 70,000 thoughts a day 90% of which are repetitive. How scary is that? And most of them are negative because our brains were created to protect us from saber-toothed tigers and everything else. And so all they do is going, they're just assessing, looking for danger, looking for problems, looking for worries. And then we're left with just feeling defeated and deflated. And then we see, we look for evidence of what we think is true. So we're constantly saying, I'm not good enough. This would never work. Like Julie said earlier, there's no possibility between not loving what I do and making money or getting lucky and being a star. So I'll just, whatever. And then you say, see, there's the evidence of that. There's the evidence I'm not good enough. There's the evidence it would never work. There's the evidence my mom's right. You got to stop and you got to charge your batteries and it works. And then you take action. And what happens is that scary action by reaching out to the person and saying, you know, Kathy's right. I do love organizing homes. I'm going to call one person today and say, could I do your basement for an hour for free? I'm going to take one action. I do love making cupcakes. I'm going to make a batch and then call my friend who's vegan and see if she would like this flavor, whatever the next step is. And in this moment, we, 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 we should be talking really about how you would do those things online. Would you do a five-day challenge? Would you start creating a Facebook group where people are talking and posting a picture a day if you're a photographer? What, what would you be doing? But when you take that action, the momentum is nuts. What starts to happen, because fortune favors the brave, most people do not take that action and you don't have to be perfect. And as you start to show up, you're going to be amazed. Oh my God, my greatest resource was my resourcefulness, my passion, my compassion, my empathy, my enthusiasm. We were just talking about the brain. This is the last thing I'm going to say about resourcefulness. People have done studies now with fMRIs to see what lights up strongest in the brain. Is it love? Is it anger? Is it sadness? It's enthusiasm. The truth be told, and this goes back to what I'm saying of being in a peak state, the greatest resource on the planet is enthusiasm. When a person is enthusiastic, it is so infectious, it is so contagious, people around that person are magnetized to them. So it's not about how much money you have. You could have all the money in the world and not get anywhere in your life successfully in relationships or build anything you love just because you have the money in the bank. You could just be sitting there feeling miserable. You could have all the sleep in the world or all the time in the world. It's enthusiasm and it's the empathy. And sales is intimacy. That's what it is at scale. So if you can really harness your enthusiasm 
and then move in with some empathy, there's nothing you can not do. That is a fact. Preach. Sorry, it's just the truth. Dropping the mics. <laughs> oh, I just, um, you're just amazing. And uh, thank you for being you and so for sweet. accepting your gifts mm-hmm. because now we get them and it's just so good. Thanks. Um, so, sweet. so those listening that want to just start eating all of your goodness up, where can they go to do that? Oh, so sweet. Well, first of all, my grandma used to say water seeks its own level. And so whatever you see in me, it's just because I know this is really true because I know you, you're just going, yes, that's it. Like we're just on the same frequency. So that's an incredible gift. And by the way, I'm sure you would agree. One of the most special surprises of doing what we do is I get to meet people like you mm-hmm. and literally fill my feed, fill my life, fill my my downtime um, talking to people who I look around and I go, whoa, every one of us, the cost of admission was like our own self-growth, mm-hmm. yeah. courage, and the willingness to serve. And uh, none of us were given like a silver spoon or handed a map and then we get to find each other too at, at this particular lunch table. We're like, oh, cool. Th- this is who's here when I get here. That's pretty neat. So it's such a, such a joy. Um, I am at kathyheller.com and we have a quiz actually on my, obviously that would be free. And it's, it's helpful to figure out what might be a new possibility. That's what the quiz is about. Like, could you, if you love doing whatever it is, photography or dance or painting or coaching, how could you do that? So it helps you at the end figure out which which archetype you are. Are you the maker type, curator type, the investigator type, um, the teacher type? And then it gives you resources to start to build and look at other examples of different people in each one of those around so many different industries. So that's really cool. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, uh, which I just started. I'm having so much fun with it at kathy.heller. And uh, the podcast is called Don't Keep Your Day Job, which I think right now is a pretty good time to start thinking, <laughs> well, I might not have the choice, so what does it look like? And I'm here to tell you the good news is um, my podcast is filled and my uh, my book is filled with stories of people who uh, quit their day job before they even, or some were fired, but some quit and uh, and built incredible lives where they were able to scale businesses because they were able to scale their enthusiasm. Because when you're doing something you love, the juice is there. Boy, now can you go all in. And so we have amazing examples of potters and cheesecake creators and furniture designers and bloggers and coaches and podcasters and so many people who are like, let's just try this thing. So I think that would be probably a good thing for people to listen to. So yeah, listen to the podcast if you want. You'll find Mm -hmm. me there. You can listen to Julie's episode. It's a good one. It's a good one and good one. Um, and it's the Passion Finder quiz. We will make sure to link that in our show notes and in our newsletter and all of the good stuff as well as the book um, and all of your amazing just support and help. So thank you again for being here. And guys, thank as Kathy sweet. mentioned, she's on Instagram. You know that I love Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, if there were any kind of light bulbs that went off, if there were any shifts of perspective or, you know, things that made you curious, if there's things that you don't agree with, 
we, we want to we hear your thoughts. We want to hear your wisdom and your takeaways. So make sure to screenshot this episode. Tag me at Jules Solomon. Tag Kathy at Kathy.Heller. Hashtag the Influencer Podcast. Let us know what you thought because then we're going to take that screenshot and we're going to share it on our stories too. So we can... Yep. I would love to share it. And I love yes. Julie. So anything you share about her, I, I want to share with the world. And thank you for having me. You're so good at what you do. I do a lot of this. I know you do too. You're really, really present and you're really bright and you're really loving and you're really meant to do this. Thank you. And if you spot it, you got it. So, uh, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's just like you thank to say you. that. I know. I know. It's true. It's true. I speak the truth. Uh, thank you so much. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the influencer podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again. Same time, same place next week.